Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Fill the atmosphere 
Today, I, um, uh, I want to share something, um, uh, a little bit of an unusual passage of Scripture, but, you know, it's always a, a fun time when parents decide to name their children, right? Uh, hopefully, you won't choose some obscure Old Testament name that uh, kind of like become an embarrassment. Why did my parents call me that name growing up? Um, but names are important. Names are very important. And oftentimes, names speak of the identity of a child. We live, I believe, in a time and in a culture where the very identity of our children is being daily attacked. Daily. A spirit of confusion has really, truly entered our American culture. And I, you know, I want to talk about our culture here in the United States, right? It, uh, of course, this is uh, spread across probably the world, but in our American culture, and frankly, I believe that we as believers, we have failed to take a stand because we don't want to offend people. 
right? And so, you know, rather than taking a stand and going to the school boards and the, and, and, and the parents' meetings and, and so on and so forth, we kind of take a step back because we don't just want to offend anybody. But let me say this. We as a church and we as individual believers, we love the people. We love people who may be experiencing gender confusion. We love them if they engage in alternate lifestyles, etc., etc. But we do not approve of their actions. And the Bible does not approve of their actions. For example, giving young children hormone blockers without parental consent, that is just evil. Teaching children that they can be human one day and an animal the next, that is not normal. It is not normal to offer books that have explicit sex and, and scenes and pictures to offer our children what that looks like. That is evil. It's evil. And so we don't stand for that. Today, more than ever, as parents, we are responsible to train our children in the ways of God. To not allow this rampant, demonic attack and outward spirits to impact their lives. We have got to call it what it is. And the devil has his sight on our children, friends. He has his sights on the children because if he can get them early on, he's got them for good. Today, I want to talk about two scriptures. The book of Chronicles as a number of chapters that contain genealogies. And, you know, I want to read about a couple of these uh, verses that are, uh, they contain two people, two children, as a matter of fact, that are rarely mentioned, two daughters that are not actually mentioned ever again outside of these two scriptures. So if we can look at 1 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 19. Let's look at it together on the screen. It says, the sons of Padiah, Zerubbabel and Shimei, the sons of Zerubbabel, Meshulam, Hananiah, Shelomit was their sister. Interesting. If we go to the next one in 1 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 32 that says, Heber was the father of Japlet. And by the way, in in other languages, you don't pronounce P-H as an F or T-H as F, you know. So I'm going to try to pronounce them the way that I think they're pronounced. And Shomer had Hotam and their sister, Shua. Now, interesting that these two women are mentioned once and never again. But I think that their parents saw fit to give them names that can actually speak to us today. Also, the fact that we do not hear of them past these two verses that we just read does not mean that they were any less important than their brothers. Important to know that. In fact, the point of their mention in these two scriptures makes it very clear that their names pinpoint to a blessing that we should not skip over. The mention is not a coincidence. In fact, there's nothing that is mentioned in the scriptures that is coincidental. Now, the first woman, her name was Shelomit. Shelomit was a daughter of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel is a very 
important name in the Bible. You say, why is that? Uh, Zerubbabel means uh, uh, literally uh, the one that was scattered in Babylon. In fact, he was born, I believe, during Babylonian captivity. He was a prominent figure in the history of the Jewish people. In fact, he became the first governor of Judah after Israel was taken captive. And he was part of, and that's where we have seen his name, the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And he's also mentioned in a very important place in the Bible in the New Testament as part of the genealogy of Jesus. So this man was an important man, and he had, the Bible says, actually eight sons. There's uh, three, uh, two of them mentioned here. There's another six that I mentioned in the next verse. We did not take the time to read that. But he had eight sons and one daughter. Shelomit, whose name means peaceful or peaceable in Hebrew, and it is derived from the word shalom, which means peace, obviously. The second woman that we read about in 1 Chronicles 7 is a woman by the name of Shua. And Shua literally means wealth or prosperity. And, and that's in the original language, in the Hebrew language. Now, it is possible that her name was given to her because her family was well off. We don't know that other than the fact that she is mentioned here. We can really not be sure about any other uh, information about this woman, right? But we do know that uh, perhaps it was because she was rich in personality, character. I don't know. But she was a wealthy woman. Now, we know that these two women were important to the genealogies of these Two families because of their mention. It's important to know that. Now, in Jewish tradition, you give your child a name that often represents traits of her life or his life and their family. For example, Eve, the first woman. Her name actually means source of life because she was the first woman the mother of all. Adam. Adam means ground because he was formed from the dust of the ground. Isaac, that's one of my favorite. His name means laughter. You say, why, why does it mean laughter? Because his mama started laughing at the fact that she would give birth to a child at the age of 90 plus. I think probably that would be the experience of most people. That, you know, if you get a, yeah, you're pregnant, age of 99. Okay, great. So his name means laughter. Now, we must remember, and that's my point, you know, why are you talking about names and genealogies, right? I've always wanted to preach about genealogies. I'm so glad I found the opportunity. <laughs> but we must remember <clears throat> that how we call or how we address our children is incredibly significant to who they are and to who they will become. Why? I'm so glad you asked. So glad you asked. Let me give you some biblical reasons why it is incredibly important 
of how we call or address our children as they grow up. First of all, words carry weight and have the power to change destiny. I really believe that. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And then there's another scripture in Proverbs 18, verse 21, that says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, there's a book in Jewish tradition called the Midrash. The Midrash is a, is a way to interpret the Torah, both from a very practical as well as a theological standpoint. And in the Midrash, it says that the tongue has the power to slay three, not two, three. Interesting. And so looking at that, it says three, and it says, number one, it has the power to slay the slanderer. The person that speaks evil, that says things that they shouldn't say, it will slander you. It also has the power to slay the slandered or the person that's being attacked or offended and spoken against. But there's also a third person Midrash actually includes, and that is the listener. And I find that very interesting because, you know what, how many times have we said things to our children that, you know, offended you and them, and maybe mama was standing there or dad was standing there and wondering, why is that being said? Or maybe you had a, a, a fight, an argument with your spouse, and your children are standing there, and they're hearing those words that will impact them. I know that none of you guys have ever done that. Sorry, babe. We're the only two. It has the power to offend three, to slay three, the of the, the slanderer, the slandered, and the listener. Now, you see, words carry a weight that oftentimes exceeds their intended purpose. In fact, you can probably murder somebody with a tongue. And if you know Proverbs, the Solomon actually says that there are seven sins. The tongue that kills, that's one of them. You can kill somebody, you can slander, you can actually murder someone with a tongue a lot easier than you can with an actual weapon. Hmm. The tendency to be clear, critical or not to engage in a child's dream or aspirations. Words carry weight. Carry weight. We need we need to be engaged in our child's dreams and aspirations. Words are so important. I've been guilty of this, friends, many times. Confession. I wish that there were some things that I would have said to my children earlier on. Lois and I were talking about it just yesterday. Wish that we would have said certain things in their raising up that we didn't. And we wish that he would, we would. And so... I, you know, I mentioned the laws. I wish that I would have done a better job as a father. But you know what? I have life today. So I am doing everything that I can for our children to the best of my abilities. 
And I want to encourage you that if you feel like you failed with your children as they were growing up as babies, there's always time. There's always time for you to remediate and do something that will strengthen them and bring them up and encourage them and support them the way they need to be supported. I know that God is gracious, but we must guard our tongues, friends. We must be so careful because the tongue has the power to change a destiny. In James chapter 1 and verse 26, James reminds us that if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, these words are pretty hard. You are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. God, help us. Guys, God, help us. God, help me. I don't want my religion to be worthless if my tongue is just running rampant without any control. Lord, help us. Yes, words bring also life. Which leads me to my next point that says, identity will build confidence and protect our children from the lies they hear in society. And boy, nowadays we are living in a time, aren't we? Psalm 127 verse 3 says that children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from Him. And in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, I absolutely love this scripture. It's one of my favorite. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Friends, the context of Psalm 127 is very important. For us to understand that scripture the way we need to, it's important to understand all the other things that are said before. As we often say, a text without a context is a pretext. You need to understand what it's actually saying, what the, the, the context of that scripture is talking about in order for us to fully understand why that scripture means what it means. And so what does it talk about in, verse, in Psalm 27? It talks about building a house. Unless the Lord builds a house, it's labor of building vain, right? It talks about amassing furniture, building big barns and, and, and building and, and, and storing away to protect your goods. You know, make sure that you're watching over. You got a watchman that's that looking over your stuff. You know what? Because it, you got to protect it. And then it says, get up early. Go to bed late. Right? Oftentimes we do that. We are raising our Jobs, our profession, what we are called to do. And so we get up early and go to work and work, 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 work. And, and, and then we come home late at night because, you know what, I just got to complete that project. I, I got to do that thing. Guys, I have been guilty of that. I know what I'm talking about because I have been in the thick of it. In cultural America, that's what it's like. You go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, nonstop. Nonstop. 
you get up early, you go to bed late, so you can buy more, get more, do more. But in the end, the psalmist is saying, children are of that heritage. It's not your job. It's not your profession. It's not your career. It's none of that stuff. It is the family. The family. Parents, no matter how old your children, we have got to learn to prioritize them. Way over working our fingers to the bone. Way over getting the next project done. Way over anything else. Children need you to be present. They don't just need things. They need your love. They need your affection. They need godly instruction. They need to learn biblical disciplines like reading the scriptures and praying with them. That is what they learn when they're young. They need that so desperately. So desperately. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said he gives children, that's God, gives children not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. They are a token for good if men know how to receive them and educate them. They are doubtful blessings only because we are doubtful persons. It's a scary thought, but that's our responsibility. Friends, we have got to speak purpose and identity into our children. And so, Dad, Mom, I tell you this. Tell them that they're loved and they're cherished by God. Tell them that God has a great plan for their lives and God has got a purpose for their lives. Tell them that they have divine authority in them because God lives in them. <clears throat> Tell them that greater is God in them than the enemy in this world. First John 4, 4 tells us very clearly. Tell them that they can do all things through Christ. Tell them that they are children of God. Blessed, chosen, loved, redeemed, forgiven. They are God's children. Tell them that the enemy is a liar. Let them know that they are in a spiritual battle. And that we overcome and the devil is defeated. We know the end of the book. We know it's here. The end of the story. He is defeated. <clears throat> tell them. Tell them. Teach them to worship. Teach them to pray. Teach them. Let them see you do it. And you do it with them. Tell them that they are Shilamit and Shuar. Tell them that they are peace. And they are wealth to your family. Speak purpose into your children. <clears throat> the third thing that I want to talk about as a reason why we need to speak life into them is that identity build, builds confidence and words of identity can become their inheritance. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's Wealth is stored up for the righteous. And then in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, our calling as parents 
and as grandparents is to pass an inheritance. Yes, we're thinking inheritance in terms of finances and leaving things for our children as they grow up, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you that, <clears throat> that as parents and grandparents, we need to leave our children something greater than material wealth and possessions. We give them something that money cannot buy. We give them parenting that's based on the Word of God. Prayers that are stored up in heaven. Being an example in serving. Honesty, integrity, sincerity. We show them that we honor and love God. And we're not afraid to show it. We're not afraid to show it. <clears throat> you see, a life of godliness is the greatest inheritance that you can offer your children. A life of godliness. This inheritance is based on biblical foundations. We build confidence by reminding them that they are God's handiwork, that God cares for them. And then when they choose to follow God, when they get to that age, when they know and they choose to follow God, they will accomplish in this life with God what God has designed for them all along if they humbly choose Him and not their own ideas. Allow me to add this one more thing. Especially for our sons. Why our sons in particular? Because today masculinity is under attack. It is almost a bad thing to be a man. And to stand as a man. So let me offer you this. Something that I read recently. It's called, Dads, hug your sons. Listen to this. Hug them. Not a lame side hug. We're talking about intentional, powerful, any age hug. To let, <clears throat> that lets your sons know that you love them. That you believe in them. And that you're not so weak and pitiful that you have to hide your emotions. Come on, somebody. You want to change the world? Create a generation of men who feels loved and supported by their fathers. Dads, hug your sons. I charge you, dads, hug your sons. And don't be afraid to, sh to let them see your emotions. That you love them. It's okay to hug them and, and cry over them and speak life into them. It is okay. <clears throat> I want to say this for single parenting moms. You are seen. You are loved. You are appreciated. And if I can add that, you're my hero. Because it's not easy in this world. And if you have a son, find a spiritual father. Find a big brother. Someone that loves Jesus more than anything else and than anyone else in this life. To reinforce in the life of your child what you already reinforce in them, that they are loved and, and appreciated. Find somebody. Continue to strengthen them. And don't be afraid to encourage your son's masculinity. I tell you, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. Let me go to my next point. My next reason is identity creates purpose. 
It creates purpose. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Wow. Jeremiah was set apart by God to be a prophet. His identity created his purpose in life. His identity was spoken before he was even born. Therefore, his identity became who he actually became, his purpose and what he did. Jeremiah <clears throat> began his ministry at the age of about 20 years of age. And he was known for his passion in preaching. I mean, he was a passionate preacher. The Bible calls him the weeping prophet because he wept and he was passionate in his appeals. Maybe today there are Jeremiah's right here in our own church. They need to be called up to their purpose and identity. Maybe that is your son, that's your daughter, that's a, a, a son or a daughter that, that is in your household. Friends, we need Jeremiah today. We need passionate young men and women sold out to Jesus. And parents, you are incredible in your responsibility because you start them up. You begin that process in their lives. They're your children. And I pray that they will be Jeremiah's that are raised inside of this body, inside of our church families to uh, fulfill a calling and a purpose in their lives as God gives them. Finally, the last point I want to make is that identity will break and weaken the fear of men in our children. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. No fear. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Friends, when you are loved and you are told that you are loved and you're secure in God, fear will not stick. They will not. Many men and women get to a certain age, children, they grow up and they wander through life, trying everything that they can, trying to figure out what's going on, trying to see what is appealing to them, wanting to fill a void that only God and assurance of His love can fulfill. You see, when we speak identity in our children, we are weakening their need for men's approval because they have your approval. We will strengthen them in their security with God because they feel secure in your love for them. His love, God's love, will drive out fear. And your love will strengthen and secure them. But also, it will, God's love will also drive away every competitor in their hearts. Because you know what? The enemy will throw competitors. Oh, yeah, God loves you. I will try this. Oh, well, your mom and dad love you. Well, try this. God's love will drive our competitors. Let me close with a charge <clears throat> to all of us parents, and really all of us, each one of us, for our children, our grandchildren, our nephews, our nieces, 
Let me say this. Speak life and identity into them. Speak life and identity into them. Read them and teach them the word of God. There is absolutely no greater treasure that we can impart in our children than the word of God, reading it and teaching it to them. Pray. Intercede for them. Let them see that you do that. You know, one of the greatest pictures in my life when I walked away as a teenager from God, you know what it was? It was seeing my mom praying for me. She didn't know that I was watching it. But I noticed that one day I was walking by the room and I saw her kneeling by her bed and crying out for David. Because I needed God. I didn't want to go back to church. I didn't want to go do anything that was God-related. I wanted to do my thing. Don't be afraid to let your children hear you interceding and praying for them. Worship. Make your house a house of worship. You know, these guys are great, but we have got to do worship more than just on Sunday. So put worship on. You know what? I don't know. I don't play. I don't do anything. You know what? It's called Spotify, friends. Put it on. It's free. At least for 45 minutes. <clears throat> then you get a commercial. Oh, is that an hour or 30 minutes? Whatever it is. <clears throat> Make your house a house of worship. It's so important. Serve in and outside the church. And do it with your children. Like I was saying, bring them to that prayer walk. Let them see your commitment to God. That you are unafraid to stand up for Jesus. Even in those environments. Show them the, the importance that God and godly Christian friends have in your life. Now... You say, does that mean that I'm only going to have Christian friends? No. That's not the point. It's important to have non-Christian friends. But can I just say this? If you hang out non-Christian friends and they cuss and tell dirty jokes around your kids, those friends got to go. Because you're not imparting anything good to your children. And you know what children are like when they're young? They'll repeat everything they hear and see. They'll do exactly everything that they hear and see. And don't wonder if they say things because you're picking them up from ungodly friends and parents. Now you're saying, well, they learned that in school probably anyway. That's fine. There's places that you cannot avoid, that you cannot uh, uh, change because they got to go to school. But that's your responsibility, my responsibility to teach our children, right? But as far as friends that you invite into your home, be careful who you invite into your life. We are called to protect our children. Finally, I want to say this, that if you're not married yet, I'm not sure where your, where your relationship with your mom and dad may have been growing up, but let me just say this, that if you did not hear words of affirmation and love from your parents all of the things that I have been sharing this morning let me assure you that God is speaking those over your life today that God loves you 
that you are precious to him. I am so sorry that you did not hear that from your parents. I am sorry that your mom and dad did not show the affection that you so desperately needed in your life when you were young. But can I just tell you, God is madly in love for you or with you. He's crazy about you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on a cross to take a beating for you because he loves you so much. If you have struggled with that truth, you can find God's peace today and know that he loves you and that you are loved and accepted by Jesus. And finally, I want to say to any one of us that may not have yet accepted Jesus, that may not yet have found Christ as your Savior and the Lord of your life, let me just say this. I pray that you will find today, perhaps, that His love is the greatest of all. That He speaks life into you. Every time you choose to open this book called the Bible, He will speak into your life. He will heal those wounds in your heart. He will deliver you from any bondage and things that hold you back because He loves you. No matter where you are, no matter where you have been in life, but He knows where you are going if you follow Him. If you follow Him with all your heart. Let me just close in a word of prayer. If you could bow your heads for a moment and just agree with me that God will just speak right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you even right now to speak to every heart, every person that is in this place, every person that's watching online even right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will minister to their hearts and to our hearts here. I pray that we will sense the love of God and that we would be bold enough to take a step to admit whether it's been because as parents we have not done as good a job as we know we could do. Or maybe because we have not received the love that we needed to receive when we were young. Or perhaps because we have not yet taken that step to accept you as our personal Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that you speak to every heart by your Spirit today. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.